today is January 22nd. No, right now when I'm recording this is January 22nd. When this episode comes out, it'll be January something else. (laughs) I always crack myself up recording these stupid promos, this introduction to the episodes. I always make my, my own self laugh. Hopefully somebody else is laughing with me, not at me. So whatever day of the week, it's a Monday because it's new episode Monday. (laughs) It's new episode Monday. I just decided that's what we're going to call Mondays. It's new episode Monday. No, it's a new episode of the podcast today on January something or another on Monday in the year of our Lord 2019. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Energies Love Podcast. Go to our website, energieslovepodcast.com. Follow Facebook and social medias. Uh, it's really only Facebook and Instagram. That's the only social medias that I really waste time on. And I definitely waste time on them. But where can you listen to the podcast besides the place that you're listening to the podcast now? You can listen to the podcast anywhere podcasts are available. And if you tell somebody about the podcast, let them know that they can find it anywhere podcasts are available because it's really easy to put podcasts out. So they're available everywhere. Also, if you haven't yet, Uh, We've been getting a lot of new listeners as of late, which is wonderful. Hello, welcome to the Energies Love Podcast, the podcast for the universe, this podcast. Um, If you haven't already, go to iTunes. Even if you don't listen to the podcast on iTunes, go to iTunes and leave us a review of the podcast. That helps the podcast. Now, why would you want to help the podcast? You want to help the podcast so that more people find the podcast, more people listen to the podcast, more people benefit from the podcast. You can also just send us money if you want. It will not bother me if you choose to donate your money that way, (laughs) because that'll help too, right? If you send us money, then uh, we'll use that money to reach more people in some way, shape, or form, or just buy better microphones. The microphones that I want, I want four sets, or I want four of these microphones And they're about $400 a piece. So if you want to donate $1,600 to the podcast, we'll take it. That was Angel itching herself. And (laughs) anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show, all that jazz. And now you have a brand new episode of the podcast. And on today's episode, Stephanie and I got the opportunity to interview Shelly Mayer. Shelly lives here locally in Utah, but she is the first certified Wim Hof instructor here in the state of Utah. So just recently, she went through that whole certification process and training process to become a certified Wim Hof instructor. If you have no idea who Wim Hof is, then you're going to push pause momentarily and go Google Wim Hof and figure out what he is or who he is and what he does. Uh, or you can just listen to the episode and learn all about it. Also learn all about Shelly. She's a body worker. She's a massage therapist. She does a lot of different really cool things. And this episode we have um, in-depth isn't really adequate to describe the conversation that took place, but it was a wonderful interview. It's a great episode. We talked about a lot of different things, and Shelly shared a little bit about herself, her story, obviously, but she really breaks down the method of what Wim Hof does with his cold immersion and breath work and all sorts of different stuff. And that's wonderful because it's wonderful to learn about that. Thank you, Shelly, for taking the time. She came out to our place here and we got to sit down and record. And Stephanie's a huge fan now. She's actually going to be embarking on her own Wim Hof journey in the near future, like 
literally it's already set up in the not too distant future. <laughs> Steph's going to be getting cold and it's going to be wonderful. She'll probably talk about it on some future episode of the podcast, so stay tuned. But thank you, Shelly. You can find out more information about Shelly at her website. It is marimassage.co. So it's M-E-H-R-massage.co. Uh, you can also go to wimhoffmethod.com if you want to find out more about Wim Hof and what he does. Shelly hosts events on a regular basis here in the Salt Lake Valley, here in Utah. She's teaching retreat, not retreats, but she does events and trainings all the time on this method. She's a huge proponent of it. I highly recommend that you check out her work and you come to one of her workshops because it has the potential to change your life in an incredibly positive way. So hopefully at the end of the episode, you'll uh, realize what I'm talking about. But go find her, go follow her. You can see all the links where you can do that in the show notes. In the meantime, take a deep cleansing breath. If you're in an ice bath, congratulations. It's going to be a long ice bath because it's like a two hour plus episode. (laughs) But enjoy and relax, sit back, all that jazz. Because here we go with another episode of the Energies Love Podcast with our wonderful guest, Shelly Mayer. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love Podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the Love Podcast. The Energy is Love Podcast. Energy is Love. The Energy is Love Podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love Podcast. Make sure that they had their their persona on so that they were putting that out there into the world Mm -hmm. and then make sure that they hit all their key points of, you know, I have to get, I have to get my message out there and this Mm -hmm. is what my message is. And I got really, really sick and tired of listening to that bullshit (laughs) because I would much rather go past that persona of what people want to represent and just have an open conversation and dialogue about whatever, whatever the hell happens to come up in the conversation. And I, I got a message the other day. Um, when I was driving, just everything I'm doing right now is about that, is about taking off the mask and being more vulnerable in my life. And like, that's actually all I need to do right now in my life is just take off my mask and well, be good. vulnerable. So but it'll be a like, good stretch for you then, huh? Yeah, definitely. So we introduced ourselves. I'm Craig and this is Stephanie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and Shelly, you have to pronounce your last name for me. Mayor. Mayor. Yeah. So it's super easy. I was making it way more difficult what, in my what head. What were you thinking? Mayor? I don't know. idea. Mayor. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's M-E-H-R, right? Yeah. Yeah. It means uh, more in German and actually unconditional love in Farsi. Very, oh, very cool. I love mm-hmm. that. No. Is that That's your background? Cool. Your lineage, Germ- German? And- uh, a little bit. I've done the DNA tests and 32% Irish, which was surprising because my dad's a genealogist. And I always thought it was more like Scandinavian, German, like England that I was coming from. And so 32% Irish was really surprising because I was actually had a plane ticket to Ireland before I found that out. So it was like <laughs> kind of fitting. I'm like, oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. My, how I found that out is my sister, she's served in the military for 18 years. And when she was uh, deployed to Afghanistan, she was a postal worker out there. And people would stop her on the streets with her uniform that had the M-E-H-R and be like, do you know what your last name means? Because that culture has so many different uh, uh, descriptions for love. And they're like, it's like the unconditional love between like a mom and like a son. Like a very specific type of love there. I love that so much. I'm 
I love that. I'm going to be over here a little teary now. Alrighty, here we go. That is so cool. Yeah. So as you were thinking about coming on the podcast, what were some of the things that you were like, what are we going to talk about? Like, what did you want to talk about, if anything? Um, some new projects. I'm putting myself out to the world in a lot of different ways. You said this was your first podcast too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been a body worker for eight years now. So that's a focus I've had with that mentorship one-on-one. Very much an intuitive feeling place where there's not a lot of talking going on. Sometimes there is. And so I feel like right now, like this is the perfect manifestation of my voice. I'm like, oh, what do I have to share? Because <laughs> there is actually a lot. I've been traveling the world since I was 20. And How old are you? 32 now. Er, sorry. Ah, see what I mean? <laughs> are you not 32? It's just an age. No, I'm 34. <laughs> I constantly have to think of that. I'm like, wait a minute. How old am I? Right. And then I literally do the math in my head. I'm like, well, it's 2019 now. So that means that this year I will be 38. You will be 38 this year. Yeah. <laughs> nice. See? Yeah, it totally throws me. A little pause. Me. Yeah. Because, I mean, look at me and people always are, I always have people guess how old I am. Um, except for now when you just asked. <laughs> but usually um, people say like early 20s. And I just contribute it to like, when I do uncover my natural state of being, there's actually so much joy and so much of this, um, like what it means to be a human, I guess. You know, through... Fuck, that's three-hour conversation right there, what it means to be a human. Right. Yeah, break it down. Give us your synopsis of what it means to be a human in a minute. (laughs) One minute. Why are we here? What does it mean to be a human? To just be like a river again. To have a river with no dam and to allow a consistent flow of whatever is happening in life with emotion, um things that happen or, you know, experiences and, and learning how to interpret them in such a way that you stay in the flow and you don't get stuck. And sure, we can get stuck in a tributary and like have a lot of beautiful lessons of (laughs) circle, circle, just kind of constantly going in one motion. And then, you know, if we're willing to allow ourselves to go back into that big river and maintain a flow, um, that's a little bit of what it means to be a human for me. I like it. That's good stuff. I would agree. One of the things that we do, we do have one question that we ask. Last year, I asked the same question on every episode of the podcast. And it was a good question. The question that I asked last year was, what form of mental illness do you suffer from? Or where do you struggle in your mental well-being and mental balance throughout your life? And I love it. And it's a great question. And I got kind of tired of asking it. Uh, But it typically would lead to wonderful conversations because I'm of the opinion that everybody struggles when it comes to just that mental balance and that well-being. And then when you add the layer of mental health and struggling with your mental health and what form of mental illness, even more of a word that people struggle with, just in an effort to try to normalize it and make it easier for people to have conversations around it or the listeners that are hearing these conversations to think. But we don't ask that question anymore. (laughs) Now the question is, what do you do in your daily life or 
daily life or just in your everyday moving through life, what do you do as a form of self-love or a practice of self-love? So many things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything. So, I mean, house, like you want to go deep, you know, and we want everything really surface. (laughs) We don't want to talk about anything deep. Nothing like if we have to contemplate and if we're left with any sort of like thought afterwards, we don't want that kind of stuff. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) Self-love to me is, is that, that presence with, so one of my projects, I'll go into that is, um, launching my business of sustainable embodiment. And what that means to me is being in that flow with your, with your mind, with that mental, um, awareness, but, but not getting stuck there, realizing that we have emotions. We actually have other parts of our body that speak to us. Like the body has its own intelligence as well. And being, finding an alignment with the mental, emotional, spiritual, and soul as well, all in the body that we actually have impressions from all those worlds that we can tune into, like we can be our own oracle. And so for me, self-love is getting to that space more often and, and being open to new experiences like this and feeling my heart beat quicker than it normally is (laughs) and realizing that there honestly is really nothing to fear at the end of the day. I feel like love and hate aren't the opposite. It's love and fear. So the more that I can face anything that comes up that I would see as fearful or resistance, actually going towards it and embracing it, um, that's a form of self-love on a really deep level. And you can kind of take that principle to a lot of different things. Cause I could say, well, I get massages, obviously <laughs> I take hot baths and <laughs> I eat really good food and drink spring water. And I'm super blessed to like know where those things are in my community. Um, there's a lot of things that we have access to that are not necessarily expensive. Like I get my water for free at a spring and then eating really healthy. It's actually this nutrient dense format where it's like my body's functioning really efficiently. So I'm actually not eating as much. And so it's, yeah, it's easier than I think we all make it out to be. (laughs) Self-love at least. (laughs) Go spring and just collect my water. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So you said, um, getting to that space more often, sorry if I just cut you off, getting to that space more often, what do you do when you catch yourself in moments where you're not really embracing that completely? When you find yourself like a, like getting stagnant in a sense and getting stuck, what do you do to catapult you back to that where you're bringing it all in? Hmm. Movement is a big one for me. Being a more body-based, teaching others how to be in their body. So if you can look at it, like my perspective with life, kind of going back to that being a human, like what that means is actually learning that we have this like amazing body and that if I feel stuck, what's the easiest thing to do in the moment is to dance, is to move, is to, you know, and sometimes I don't even realize I'm stuck mm-hmm. until after I get unstuck. <laughs> You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. So I would say like movement is one of my top for that is to get unstuck. Like that. What about when fear, because I like how you described the opposite of love is fear, not necessarily hate. 
And I would agree. I think that fear plays such an ever-present role in so many different dynamics, right? We're so fearful surrounding, balancing all of those aspects that you talked about, the mental, the emotional, spiritual, all those different things. A lot of times we get stuck in fear surrounding like, I'm not doing a good enough job. What if I don't do this? If I'm not, you know, paying attention to my physical body, then all this stuff's going to happen and it's going to bleed out into my emotional well-being and my health and we get wrapped up into fear. So what do you do when fear creeps in? in its ever present, like powerful way of fucking everything up for a little while. <laughs> Cause it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Things happen. Um, so fair, how I like to look at it is an acronym of false evidence appearing real. And, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Rumi, amazing poet. I've actually been to his tombstone in Konya, Turkey, like a most immaculate tombstone. So incredible. And he has this poem about uh, called The Guest House. And this poem kind of depicts like allowing any sort of fear or any thing that we repress or any, you know, from conditioning as, 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 as kids, like I believe that we are pure. And then we, from zero to eight, we get this conditioned kind of how to be and actually how to love from our parents and bless them. They all did their best, you know, so it's not about blame here. It's about taking account accountability for like, okay, like they did their best. I'm going to have compassion and kindness for this and, and move forward in that space. And so I'd say that with all the guests, allow them, serve them tea, get to know them, whatever that fear is, get to know it so that it doesn't have control over you, that you're actually allowing it. You're embracing it in a certain way. So it doesn't have control. And then when it's time to go, you have a proper boundary and like, okay, I've shut the door on that. And then I'm going to go dance in my love, you know, because I feel like that's really our natural state of being. And even experiences of fear and things that happen, um, that can, that can be seen as love too, you know, constant stories of learning what it means to be a human is like I really feel like we all have our own soul purpose here and it's all very unique and different um let's see that sorry my mind goes <laughs> <laughs> faults what faults Evidence appearing real yeah yeah I like that one yeah so like much is the uh, fear is fuel. So those two are good ones. So when I'm in that good flow, I can embody that. Otherwise, it is like, oh, fear is big. So it really kind of depends on where you're at. I can't dance out of fear. I can dance with joy, but I can't dance out of fear. I either have very uniqueness on how I go about it. So I try and pull that. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. what are your tips and tricks? Let's mm -hmm. try that. What about you? As far as... What do I do with fear? What do you do with fear? I, I get afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I A lot of times I ignore it and stuff it and bury it and try to uh, pretend like it's not there. And obviously that doesn't work. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's typically, not typically, things have shifted and changed a lot to where I'm conscious of it and willing to sit in it and willing to acknowledge the fact that it is false, that it is created in my own head. And I mean, 90% of the time, the fears that we swim in and that we surround ourselves in never become reality. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? They always stay in that space of fear and the realm of falseness and the stories that we create and everything like that. They're not real, actually. And and with that, they can turn into things, too. Yes. You know, they can turn into, like, even illnesses and different things like that can occur if we're constantly repressing some kind of, like, emotion. Like, I remember, like, I've been on, like, the healing path for um, a long time now. and I've, 34 years. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to be exact, 34 we're at in this lifetime. <laughs> And I remember uh, following Grade Braden back in the day, and he ties together science and spirituality really well because I feel like they're actually married, or at least they can hold hands, and they actually can can work really well together if we allow them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of his uh, workshops that I went to, he had this video of a tumor, and then these Chinese chanting, and the Chinese chanting is a certain vibration, and the tumor actually disappeared, and it was up to the person's lifestyle if they're going to recreate that tumor to come back or if they're going to hold to that vibration and keep moving forward so if they've hadn't done their internal work of facing shadows facing facing fears then that thing is just going to manifest again not to say all tumors are are repressed emotion but it's just an it's just a example of what could be you know because i definitely feel like we're a little bit outdated when it comes to health because Alternative medicine actually is quite ancient medicine. <laughs> so a balance with those two worlds as well. What else, babe? What else? Oh. <laughs> um, like how they go to further on that um, disease, the disease, and it's uh, all physical illness or all illness can be linked to a physical manifestation of emotional trauma. So I see that because there's so much of the fear, the anger, the suppression, just not having your voice that does settle in your body and creates that. So I agree with that quite a bit. And then you have our smart ass kids who are like, so if I have an ax and chop off my hand, is that emotional trauma? I'm like, well, that's new emotional trauma, but no. So they won't um, take into account on a part when their stomach hurts or that it's the stress from school and my brilliant way to help them out is like, what can we do to release stress? What can you do? It's, you know, with stress, we've got to get out and that causes more stress and it's not stress. So just to have that agreeance and that awareness with it, that there are the shifts and change that goes that now I'm doing it. I, when you give me that, it's maybe it's the face. Cause you just look at you like, just are you going to say you. like, you're not saying it. So I kind of choke up. The whole concept and idea. Cause I agree. I agree completely. 100%. With the, the everything for me is energy, and when we have some sort of element within our body, whether it's just chronic pain, whether it's a, a tumor, whether it's um, fibromyalgia, whether it's cancer, whatever it is, it's a manifestation of energy. That's all that it is. It's just energy, right? And so I I believe that wholeheartedly, but I get challenged in that space a lot. I have a um, Cause it's really easy sometimes, like you talk about, like, you know, it's easy to see stress manifest as an upset stomach or anxiety and tension build up inside of you. And then heart palpitation or, uh, anything like that. And then chronically, if you continually live like that, the man of the way that that would, you know, work and the way that that manifests, that all makes perfect sense to me. And then you see the person who has cancer and it's like, I had a buddy of mine, he, um, 
he was actually, I was going to tell you this this morning. He was in my dream. I had a dream about. You dreamt about him again? Yeah, I dreamt about him last night, which I don't dream about him often, but it was a, it was a cool dream. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he's a kid that I grew up with. So we were good friends growing up, like all through childhood. And when he was, oh, he was in his early twenties. Cause I think he got sent home from his mission, um, early his LDS mission. I always have to remind myself that some of the people that are listening have no fucking idea what I'm talking about when right. I say a mission. Because I'm on a mission right now. Too, <laughs> so, <laughs> But he got sent home from his mission early. So he was diagnosed with some bizarro bone cancer when he was in his early 20s and fought that cancer for like 12 years, 15 years, something like that before he finally died from the cancer. And I think about this guy and I'm like, in what way, shape, or form is that not just a fluke? Or is that some manifestation of energy? It is in some way, shape, or form. But that's the part where I get stuck sometimes. Sometimes it's really, really easy to see how people will let that disease build up inside of them because of the emotional trauma, the pain, the uh, inability to be a river and let things flow, right? Mm -hmm. They're stuck in that fucking dam and everything is just backing up consistently. And so I think about this guy. His name's Clint. He's a really sweet man. And I think about him and I'm like, how much did I not know about him that there could have been something in his life that caused this, right? Some aspect of his life. Or is he just an example because I think so many times we like to put people on this pedestal, right? Especially after they've passed away where we think of him because he was an incredibly sweet guy. He was very loving and very giving. And, you know, he, he's a good example of what people would commonly like, you know, if anybody, he didn't deserve what he got. And it's like, why did he get what he got? Why did he go through that process? You know, and that's the space where I get stuck in like, is it really just all energy or is that the warm, fuzzy feeling that we like to tell ourselves and here, cause we grew up in this small town that we're in now in Grantsville and we're surrounded by like chemicals and shit that was pumped into the atmosphere for 60 years that nobody really cared about. So we have a lot of kids. I have a couple of kids that I grew up with that have cancer and I sure, I'm sure that some aspect of that is because of just the geological location of where we're at. Cause there was like Dugway proving ground that did a bunch of funky stuff. And then we have this army base out here that did a bunch of funky stuff. And then we have like this magnesium plant over here that just has consistently pumped shit into the atmosphere and is still continuing to do so. And so we have all of those factors as well. But I think at the end of the day, my belief is that there's something energetically speaking that is, uh, like a cause or a, a benefactor, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, there's a lot of different things that popped up <laughs> with that. Cause it's popped up. Cause I feel like we at being human as much as about all the love and all of that, I think there's a lot of depth in accepting death that actually life is death in a way that they're that the, we have to realize that everything's going to die at some point. And it's not necessarily a negative thing. And so what we're left with too is like when someone does die close to us, um, there's a lot of grief in that. And, and also 
I don't think anyone knows of when it's one's time to go, but to be in acceptance of when it's someone's time to go. And that, you know, it's, we don't need to get into the what happens after death kind of thing. Um, but what do we do as the people here when someone's passed? And like, I've, I've had some death in my family that rocked me and I got stuck with it. And I got stuck with the grief though. Because our culture, we don't process grief. You know, we don't really have any rituals. There's actually quite a bit of other um, cultures around the world that have the, um, their whole lifestyle based around grief rituals. And even grief in the sense of not necessarily someone dying, but even from being single to partnership or finding like your person, like there's grief in that transition. So it's learning how to stay in a flow, but also accept like, what is and how do we process grief? Because like, I think that's where a lot of these disease comes from too and being stuck is like some form of grief and like what is that? What is that feeling? And being a human, like we're social creatures. We need each other. And I feel like in America, so I've traveled the world and seen how a lot of different cultures work together. I studied uh, cultural anthropology in college a little bit, and I just am so fascinated with how different people walk on this planet. And I feel like here, us in America, like we're getting faced with some intense stuff right now with like all this chemical different thing, like environmental stuff, like we don't need to get into politics right now, but there's a lot of stuff stirring up. But I celebrate it because I know that it's a sign that there's change. We need this to be stirred up so that something shifts, like something's not working. And so let's be open to it, all the possibilities that this could actually be a really beautiful thing. And with that tangent, where is it going with that? <laughs> what See what I mean? What are we talking about? Because <laughs> there's a point I was getting to. I liked, I liked your description of grief and the, uh, <clears throat> the, the feeling of grief, or the feeling associated with grief, because it's not one, right? It's a spectrum. And that can come not just from the loss of a loved one. It doesn't have to just come from death. I think the transition, you said transition, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Because there's often times when we'll have transitions in our life from anything, right? Like for us, we have an eight, a 19-year-old who's in college. So when the transition of her leaving the house and going to college, massive amounts of fucking grief present in that moment, right? She's still here. She's still present. We still get to see her, communicate with her and everything like that. But just the grief of not having her here because it was a transition period. Mm -hmm. It's like, I keep thinking about your, um, not meta, I guess it was a metaphor of the river. And it's like, oh, now your river's in a different flow and it's in a different space. And you're like, but I like the one that I was in before. Like I got really comfortable and really happy with the flow of the river that we were in. And I could look and see, and I knew the trees and everything was wonderful and beautiful. And now we're like in a desert and it's like, fuck, where did all the trees go? And there's nothing different or nothing wrong. It's just a different environment. Mm -hmm. And so the transition between those two spaces, I think is the, a lot of times that grief that comes up right. and our struggle with it. And in that different environment, I mean, what I'm learning and what I've, felt is like that comfort discomfort and when we put ourselves or just life happens that becomes more uncomfortable that's actually when we grow and that's actually where the deepest poetry comes out or the most amazing love songs or different things is coming from that grief is coming from that discomfort so embracing that too 
embracing that as much as the fluffy, beautiful other feelings. And I remember where I was going with all that tangent <laughs> as well, um, that we were in this together to like realize that like, like community and like being raised in America, there is, there's definitely been this individualization, which has its place, but I feel like we're over individual. We're over competitive when it's like, oh, maybe all this stuff going on is teaching us. We actually need to start working together. We need to be more like the beehive, you know, and know that we all have a role. We all have the a puzzle piece that fits the whole puzzle and to, and to know that. And these, you know, experiences right now are, are kind of just an offering of, of coming back together and coming into like not only our own wholeness, like, but community efforts as well. And I mean, when, when I speak sustainable embodiment, when I use this term sustainability, like, you know, one of my deepest dreams is to actually have a sustainable, um, retreat center where people can come to a place that is that's safe and where they can actually feel safe to work on things or be offered a sanctuary. Cause actually that's not everyone knows what safety feels like in this vulnerable world. <laughs> So that's even one thing in and of itself. And so sustainability is something big for me as well. Um, you know, mirroring nature and how far we've come from that with all of the industry. And at the same time, like, you know, what do we do with like things that we can't control? What can we control in that situation? And I don't know, uh, our lovely Steven out there, the barber, if <laughs> Steven the barber. linked us up, but you know, how we got together was through the Wim Hof method, which I'm a certified instructor of, which is basically creating a, a human tribe of to be happy, healthy and strong and like let go of the of rest of the bullshit that like come back to that basic human core need with that community as well and and learn how to um, take back control in that way and let the rest go. I think it's the, uh, <laughs> I think it's the hope and dream of every like, um, woke, spiritually enlightened hippie person out there to have some sort of sanctuary retreat center <laughs> where everybody can come and just bask in healing love and nature and connect with the earth and connect with one another. And uh, it's beautiful. I'm not minimizing it by any means, but I get a kick out of it because yeah. I mean, if, it's a common thing. if we could, you know, change the world tomorrow and sell our home and build a retreat center where we could bask in that space and do what we love and have a safe place for people to come and experience all these different things as well. We would do that in a heartbeat as well. <laughs> right. And maybe where even, do I sign? Right. Yes, maybe right even, now. maybe even changing to like co-housing community. You know, I was just watching the happy documentary. I don't know if you've watched that on Netflix. Um, and they what's were, it called? Just happy. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, they were talking about, uh, I believe it was Denmark, how it's considered statistically one of the most happiest places in the world, the people as why as, and one of their examples that they brought was that there's a lot of co-housing communities. You know, there's a lot of single people out there raising kids. Like we've taught that you gotta, you gotta do it all alone. Like I've, I felt like all through my twenties, Oh, like I got my own back. You know, I was born as a very curious mystic in a very conservative landscape. And I just rebelled and was just like, no, this doesn't work for me. And, you know, left on my travels, jumped off of my one river that I, you know, felt like it was damned. And I 
jumped off that rock of any foundation that I knew and went into the the flow of life and just had to let go of any of everything so that I could wait for what was coming back and what resonated on, you know, going to self-love is another way of self-love is actually paying attention to what your body's telling you. There's messages all the time from our bodies. And if we're willing to, to listen to that, listen to the stillness, sometimes it feels like, but other times it's pretty loud and clear and how to interpret that from our bodies too. Definitely gets loud and clear if you don't listen to the stillness, like, okay, I'm going to keep talking until you hear me. So here we go. Mm -hmm. Get ready for that. Are those messages from our bodies or are those messages from the universe and our body is just the, uh, the television, like just the receptor, just the antenna? Well, I believe my body is the universe. Okay. <laughs> meaning. Touche. <laughs> meaning like, so I, with one of my, uh, Wim Hof workshops, the first slide that I go into after the slide where I'm beatboxing with Wim Hof himself and get that little laughter. And, you know, my dad taught me to start with laughter with presentations and go from there. The second slide is breaking apart the microcosm to the macrocosm and realizing as above, so below that we're like a Petri dish of all these little beings inside microbiome organisms doing their thing. They all have their role. They all have their function. Oh, sorry. And then there's this, you know, us. And for me, how I interpret it is it's like my soul. My soul is here. My spirit is here. And I'm very grounded in that. Like for me, enlightenment isn't so much outside myself. It's inside. Universe is inside as well. And I mean, it's more of a feeling than a understanding. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, yeah. No, I totally and agree. It is that, a feeling. Yeah. It's tune of the same. So back to my, my slide is I have a picture of dark space and matter and then a picture of human nerve uh, network systems. And they actually look very, very similar. Mm -hmm. And to propose like how much um, of that universe out there, maybe stars, like I've actually faced my own inner star system and universe. And through different experiences in my life has, has sensed my soul, have sensed different pieces of myself of like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. You know, that, that mystical side, but it's actually, mysticism is, is almost getting demystified as well. If we have the right tool that we're viewing it, for instance, science, like metaphysics is the basis that everything is energy. So it's not so mystical when you look at it through a different uh, lens, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I got lost of what I was going to say now too. <laughs> Maybe I'm rubbing off onto you. <laughs> no, I had another. I had another question, but I don't remember what it was. Do you have a question? <laughs> I might get off on a a little bit of a tangent. Um, I have so many things that is like coming up with this, and I want to talk to you about. I think one of um, I'm really excited about the Wim Hof aspect that you bring to that. That has been something that I have had zero, like zero interest in. And in fact, I was quite opposed to it because I don't like the cold. You see like my fluffy socks, my long, you know, well, you're kind of the same. You're bundled up too, but I hate oh, I, being cold. I definitely love cozy. As much as I love see? the cold, I love cozy <laughs> just the same. <laughs> I am so against being cold. 
and it's like, it's painful. I have, you know, my back goes, I had some issues last winter that took it to a whole new level of what the cold does to my body and it doesn't work. And so I'll, I hadn't really looked into it. And what I knew of Wim Hof was crazy guy wants to climb in his shorts at Mount Everest. Like, okay, <laughs> you know, good job. I don't know what you're proving with that. And, oh, it's this thing that people do to show their, you know, getting ice tubs. And we did that with a massage therapy school that I went to. And there was zero about that part of the class that I liked. I loved school. I love everything that we went through. But when it came to that, it was miserable. So I didn't want to learn until we found out that you were coming on. And I'm like, well, I want to have something to talk to her about. So <laughs> I listened to a podcast with Wim Hof. And now I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what? What? It, it's, it's nothing to, how are you, it's that healing your body, that bringing that in, finding the center, finding the community, the things that he did with his body that you're capable of. I'm like, that's all the things that I'm afraid of. And you're telling me I can breathe and I can find that center and then there's, so what do you want to share about? Like, how did you mm. get to that point? I'm so yeah. like, and now I want more. It's mm -hmm. brand new information for me. So more, mm -hmm. more, more. Yeah. It's super. Somebody deep. that hasn't heard of Wim Hof, who the hell is Wim Hof? Yeah. So uh, I could speak to this about the next like, five <laughs> hours. <laughs> so Wim Hof is a man from the Netherlands and he incredible, like super exuberant. He's the embodiment of what he speaks. So he has it in his body as well. He, his actions mimic what he's speaking. He's, he's walking his talk, you know, and that's the mm -hmm. magnetism that he carries. And he, I got involved with it. So I've always, I was always the type to talk people into getting into the cult already <laughs> when I was younger. Because I, I was always drawn to it. So I was... Always in nature, hiking a lot, exploring a lot. And I was always drawn to cold water and, you know, up behind Mount Tipinogos, hopping in that glacier lake. And it would be a quick in and out. But I did it because it was just this, I felt so alive. It was like a reset for me. Like I would get in, get out, and I'm like, oh, amazing. You know, I loved it. And of course, I love hot springs too. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the both. But it's funny because I actually prefer prefer cold as far as enlivenment because wow. hot I just get so lethargic mm -hmm. and tired and what really wakes me up is is cold showers like it's so accessible and and there's a couple different rabbit holes I could go with what you just express of like you know that's a lot of people's response to like seeing all these people get in ice baths and like why is Wim Hof climbing Mount Everest in shorts like what is this all about you know and it's depicting how much control we have over things that we are never taught we had control over in our bodies. So the biggest one being the autonomic nervous system, mm -hmm. blood circulation, heartbeat, um, and, and basically like raising our skin temperature at will. You're accessing different physiological structures inside to be able to do that. And an ice bath is incredible. It's like a, it's like a rebirth. It's like your own baptism every six days if you want. Oh and goodness. actually it kind of blends in a little bit to what you're talking about stress prior, which I actually wanted to touch on is I've kind of been in the landscape that stress is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's what type of stress we need to identify because stress actually can be a good thing and we need acute doses of stress. <laughs> Not chronic. Not chronic. The Not acute. this like mm -hmm. long, you know, same kind of, 
getting in sympathetic stretch, which stress, which is that fight or flight, mm -hmm. you know, kind of that typical like thing that we get, can all get stuck in if we're, if we're, um, kind of just doing what everyone else is doing yeah. <laughs> or definitely taking out from our natural state of being, which is short, acute doses of stress. So that knocks us out of that chronic stress. And then that we can actually go back to parasympathetic, uh -huh. which is rest and digest. And so believe it or not, you go into an ice bath, you go into that intensity of acute stress. Oh my God, shock. It can shake up past trauma so that you can actually heal it in the present moment. Oh my in a safe way and rewrite that neurological pathway like that. Like that's where the transformation is in that moment. If you believe in it and if you know it and if you can get your mind, heart, gut, everything on the same page, if that makes sense. That is right. I've never had that, um, that thought. It's like when you're in that chronic stress and you're in the stress, it's what do I need to do to de-stress? You know, I want to get to my parasympathetic. I've got little moves to do that. I want to de-stress. I hadn't considered, well, let's shock that out. Mm -hmm. Hit that high dose of acute to, I guess it's a distraction in a way that if you, it depends on how hard you distract because you can distract to numbness and isolation, which doesn't do it. But in a sense, it's still a distraction. It's mm -hmm. pulling yourself out of that. We really, right oh now, goodness. it's super potent with this last uh, lunar eclipse and full moon in Leo. <laughs> um, it's super important to fill what we fill. Yeah. Mm. Like really take that in of like, I, we all just need to fill what we really fill that there's no running away from it. Cause it's going to be there until we <laughs> right? face it. It's not just going to disappear. <sighs> that's the illusion. And that's where more of the hesitation and build up to let's go back to the ice bath. Cause it's such a great metaphor for a lot. Like you can face the ice bath, how you face life. And that's where I like Ooh. it as a transformational technique and actually realizing through facing that a deeper level of empowerment. And then also a lot of physiological shifts in the body that occur mm. with that. And I mean, you can, what I love about this method the most is the accessibility if you're willing to like go into those territories, Wim Hof selling breath and water. <laughs> yeah, <Okay. right. laughs> I honestly, I was driving here today and seeing a billboard that says no one is immune to bad air. I feel immune to bad air through this, through this method. These last inversions that we've been having, like my mood is amazing. Like, I feel like I've really taken control of that because we actually have a lot more control over how we feel than we often exercise. And through, the, so the Wim Hof method is a three pillar practice where it's not only cold exposure, but it's a breathing technique, which is phenomenal in and of itself mm -hmm. and a mindset. So that's something else with like mental health stuff is like, like mindset. And most people are stuck in this frontal cortex, which is the you know, youngest part of our brain. And that's where mental health issue <laughs> is, you know, and there's now studies that there's depression is a link to inflammation. Well, when you go into cold, like we've accepted mm -hmm. that, uh, athletes, you know, people like track, like back in college days, people will say, Oh yeah, I used to get into cold, you know, and they'd sit in it for a while to actually pull out inflammation in their body. And like, all chronic disease, going back to disease a little bit, like all chronic disease is a link to inflammation. So if we can actually take back 
a couple steps and like, okay, if we can't figure out our shit, if we can't, you know, figure out like all of this stuff, because maybe it's not something to figure out, <laughs> it's actually more, okay, let's do this method. Even though there's resistance towards it, it's actually a good sign there's resistance. Like I have probably three different things people will say when I tell them what I do, you know, and it's one is like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified about that, about that but I want to do it. Or they're fully in, or they're just like, no. It's a no, but I feel like the people that are like, it's a no or the resistance, they're probably going to get so much out of it yeah. because it's like this knowing of like what you resist persists. And honestly, what you resist is probably the perfect medicine for you. And that's where the discomfort comes in, but that's where you grow the most. <laughs> okay. I'm going to throw this out here. I'm going to be a little open. So not with- a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you're out. <laughs> you're like, I gotta okay. go pee. <laughs> um, the nature has been a sanctuary sanctuary for me. I have always been a, like, I can do the spring and fall. It's beautiful. I love it. But the summer, um, then I have that caveat if I get too hot. So I've always, like, shied away from the cold, always. And then just got into, uh, done some fire walking a couple of times. And that has shifted my issues with getting too hot. Um, and that has been incredible. But my resistance to the cold, so, so deep. I don't like last year I had, um, during the winter, I discovered Raynaud's. I had Raynaud's and I didn't have any reason to have it. I've never experienced it. And the only reason I knew what the hell it was is because I was in pathology at the time. Now, granted, when you go through pathology, like you look at everything on your body weird you're like okay mm-hmm. that's a freckle hmm. like is that, what could that be but um having that and then thinking what have I done to myself like where am I at emotionally that now this you know I've been working on healing so many things and now like damn it I'm doing so good what the hell is this and working on that through this last year when it started getting cold again this year I was just waiting you know because it's painful it hurts it's weird to look at and you think okay that's not good there's no blood flow in that finger and that finger now it's spread that's not good and then it's painful Mm -hmm. so I was nervous and I've got to a point where it didn't occur again this winter like yeah so super excited but that's how intently opposed to the cold I am Mm -hmm. and have no want but now from hearing you, I, I have that drive, but I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, so what would you say to somebody like me mm-hmm. who was like, I think it's going to hurt me. I mm-hmm. think it's going to cause me physical damage, but maybe that's the thing that I need the most. What steps do I take? Right. And it's, so I've coached a couple people through Reynolds and it actually has completely helped a ton, even if you're not seeing symptoms of that it's, yeah, it is one of those things to just be really mindful because it's it's an embodiment practice for me like how I interpret the Wim Hof method it's it's about learning to learning to listen to my body on a deeper level and we've associated pain with cold mm-hmm. when when it comes down to it it's not the same Gosh, and so it. the Wim Hof method is teaching you to take control of your nervous system and a lot of other systems um, and thus influence your immune system to, to basically separate pain from cold and then, or yeah, pain from cold. And I, I am going to go on a little tangent with, um, names. So I, (coughs) I side note, I love 
poetry. Okay, I'm a writer as well. I'm working on another project. I have 74 journals from my life <laughs> that I'm going to transcribe and become more vulnerable and put them online at some point. And so my, that's amazing. Yeah. And, um, one of my favorite poets, Khalil Gibran, he wrote the prophet. I don't know if you're mm -hmm. familiar with that, but he's got this beautiful work. My dad's named after him, by the way, my dad's name is Kalio with an E. This is Khalil Gibran. Look him up. He's incredible. And he writes about love and to the deepest texture that I have felt love. Like there's so many textures to love, you know, there's, so much about that word and that concept and how can we accept love's pleasure without love's pain and to allow that level of pain, disease, like all of this stuff, like just allow it to be here. Cause honestly, the more that we push it away, the more that it festers. And if we can change our mindset around it, it could change everything because honestly, for me, being a body worker and like through my experience of my own life and things and others is the question is, what am I learning from this with whatever it is for someone? Like, what am I learning? And once you learn the lesson, it actually, I feel like it's a universal law. You don't really have to go through the struggle. So it's like learning how to just not diminish like, oh, I'm going to fight this and beat it. It's like, no, like let's embrace it and work with it and learn from it so that we can evolve as what it means to being a human. And so any draw that you have to the cold or lack of draw <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the Reynolds and, and uh, Reynolds, um, back to that is so this last summer has been the easiest summer because I used to be really um, agitated by the heat if I didn't have water to get around. Mm -hmm. And this last summer was the easiest, even with all the fires, because this method not only teaches you to um, adapt to cold environments, but to hot environments. And that was something with Wim Hof's story is one of his feats was running through um, a part of the desert. I think it was in Africa somewhere where he didn't drink any water and ran in like barefoot um, a whole marathon. I didn't hear that part. Yeah. I heard the endotoxins, but not that one. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that, that showed that he not only could adapt to, you know, the cold, but to the heat as well. And I noticed that in my own body, like my body's been like my, even my massage therapist was like, wow, like you feel more connected in your body. And like, I've never felt more efficient because I have a deep love for nature and efficiency. And I want to, you know, I learn from nature. It's my top teacher. And so I want to be like nature. And I've noticed with this method, it's been my missing link to like actually realizing, oh, I am nature. Like I've been going up into the Uintas, that mountain range that is super, super special running from East to West is like one of the only mountain ranges in America that does that. And we'd go up, me and a group of us, every Tuesday and go pick a different lake to do our run, fish, run. So I got into fishing last year and just wanted to eat from the land more so. And there was this one time when we went up, just three of us, and it was later on in the season. And we there's another part of the Wim Hof method where you just expose your skin to, to the cold. And our bodies have incredible ability to adapt to whatever. So kind of backing up with the immune to, to air quality is like through the breathing and through the cold, I'm staying in a flow with my physiological 
emotion, mental, spiritual, soul, whatever, all of that staying in a flow with this method and, and other things I've picked up along the way so that I'm not so influenced by things around me, that I'm staying in a flow because I can't control all of, you know, we've got a horrible inversion problem there. It's, it's, it's ugly. It's like, this isn't right. Like, why are all these things pumping out all of these chemicals, all the cars, all the population? Like, what are we to do in that state? And honestly, let's breathe more. Oh my goodness. It's like so counterintuitive. Oh, you're cold. Get into ice bath, get warmer. You, cause you actually do get warmer through that acute stress. Your body will get into a survival state, perfectly natural. Our body knows what to do. That's another thing is it's learning how to trust the body again, as well as your body knows what to do. But being comfort creature behaviors, we've actually atrophied okay. inside. And so it's learning how to awaken those systems again, and it can be interpreted as very painful. What I like to suggest is view it as a cure, like be curious of the sensation. Curious. Be curious of like what that. that, what is this sensation? And when, when we stop judging the mind or judging the, um, like it being pain, it actually helps uh, pain not be so present. So I could go oh on and on. Oh my goodness. Well, I want you to, because <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking of how um, I love the sun on my skin. I love feeling the, even the night air, like I, I do naked dancing in the moonlight. I love it. Beautiful. Obviously it does not happen in the winter. And like the lunar eclipse, like, right? <laughs> like that moon that we had last night, the night before. Oh my gosh. I would have, and we were just all bundled up out there and it was so cold and shivering. And like, I want to get to where I can do right. that. I, I want. Right. Yes, and and a, so much. a lot of it too is, is uh rewiring. Like, you know, when you're cold and shivering and like this, it's like this protect protection, mm -hmm. but we've, we've learned that as we kids, learned. mama says, Put on. <laughs> Are you gonna say knock Mama you out? Mama says what? Get a coat. It's cold outside. You're you need. I'm not cold, cold, Mom. Are you gonna? Oh my gosh! I fight with my kids all the time. About and I tell that. her all the time, he's not cold. He's fine. I remember what it was like to be 12 and you run around outside all day long and you're not cold. Want to bundle him up like a Christmas story? Yeah. She wanted me to get a fucking blanket to put him in the car yes. to give him a ride down to basketball it's practice. It's freaking cold. That's you damn three right. minutes away. It's and I'm like, I think he'll be fine. No, he needs a blanket. I think he'll be fine. So Scandinavian <laughs> cultures, <laughs> Scandinavian cultures. When I was in Ireland, I saw it in Russia. I've seen videos of they've there. They have kids with go out and like their underwear or swimsuit, like in schools and, and go into the snow and then come back and have tea and, and uh, like a sauna or in Scandinavian cultures, they actually um, have their babies sleeping out on a porch what? in a snowstorm because of their knowledge with how much it builds their immune system or balances their immune system. It's going to take me a minute and, to process that yeah, one. It will. Yeah. <laughs> and look it up too. Like, oh my and, and anyone don't take my word for it. Like, like let's be our own alchemists as Wim Hof puts it, or I put it as like that book by Paulo Coelho of like it, you know, the alchemist journey of like, he, it goes and explores out and goes out and gets all of this information and realizes that once he gets back home, that it was actually all right here, you know, I'm pointing to my heart and that's how I feel in my life is like, there's this knowingness of 
of this though. It's like, we kind of, our minds like, oh my gosh, that's child abuse. <laughs> what the heck? That would never go in America, you know, but put a blanket on our kid to go to basketball yeah, practice, please. There's <laughs> something to it. Oh you goodness. know, there's something to it. And there's something to how we've made fear, pain, discomfort, cold, a bad thing. It's not the enemy here. They're all just tools. They're all right. just something to like explore. And I think us as Utahns, it's a great opportunity this winter to embrace mm. it in such a in such a different way. And back to my story with the Uintas mm-hmm. is well, like one of the deeper aspects of this method for me is going up there. So I was hiking with like barely any clothes, you know, and up 10,500 feet went down to lofty lake on the other side and there's snow all over and the lake was a little bit iced over (laughs) and it's definitely a mindset and it's definitely (laughs) there's a lot to consider I don't recommend this if they're not practiced Mm -hmm. at all in this because it it could bring up a lot and you are so far away from the car like it's very much you have to be very mindful about okay there's certain risks to the situation being really present with what's going on and And something else I love about the ice cold is there is nothing else that will put me straight into the present moment than an ice bath because of you can't think about anything else but that moment. So everything is like right there. And that's a great way to reset. So that's why I called it a baptism earlier and Mm. just like a way of life of just like reset. I've had my ice bath every six days. You know, it's all you need for the benefits. And how long do you stay in it? Um, as a beginner, hold on, go back to your lofty lake. (laughs) Okay. We'll answer that in a moment. So lofty lake, (laughs) we're up there checking in, do the breathing. Um, then uh, we got in. Oh my goodness. And it was definitely very, very intense. And, uh, my buddy broke the ice before and got in and then I went in after and I, something released out of me up there. So I don't feel like we yell enough in our society in a healthy way. Okay. I don't feel like we, we, um, just let ourselves hoot and holler, you know, like as much as, I mean, I would like to, cause I know I have had a lot of myself express or, um, like my, my emotions or like my self-expression I've allowed to not be my most expressive self. And that's changing. Like I I need to be expressing more. And like, so I'll just hoot and holler. But this time it was like, it wasn't even a choice. Like a bird came out of me. (laughs) Like you can look at the video yourself if you want. I have it posted on Wim Hof Method Utah. And you can just scroll down. It's this video of Lofty Lake. And and like I had like this bird call come out of me. It was like three loud <laughs> bird noises. I'm like, where did that come from? But it felt so good, you know? And I was just like, this also is a method just to kind of get out of here, get out of the mind for like, what does it mean to be a human? Well, there's how many people on this planet, like, and and we're such um like we you know, a lot of people don't want to be different kind of thing, but but we are so unique. You know, Dalai Lama said it best. There's how many people in this world? There should be that many religions. With the Wim Hof mm. method, there's how many people in this world? There's that many Wim Hof methods because we all have our own physiological nature inside. Our own, my sustainable embodiment is you finding your own soul path and how you want to walk on this planet. It's like such a unique, beautiful thing. But to get there takes a lot of letting go 
of people pleasing. <laughs> you know, a lot of go, letting go of a lot of what are people going to think. You know, a lot of letting go of like different things because we're the only ones to hold ourselves back from anything really in the end of the day. It's not about anyone else, you know. And honestly, don't take my word for it. Like, go out and, and explore that for yourself. Oh, I want more. I want more. <laughs> <laughs> so Lofty Lake was incredible. Um, one of the biggest pieces that I can take from that experience is after I got in, then you really consciously warm up and it's about warming up slowly. Well, just after we got in, here comes this windstorm kicking up some snow and it's still sunny, you know, so the sun really helps <laughs> the mind at least. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, the, the, the snow picked up and it was just this intensity growing all around. And I just kept breathing, kept staying present with my body. Um, it's honestly the hardest on my toes and my hands because the capillaries and how the system works in the body mm -hmm. is like all of the, all of the blood goes to the core mm -hmm. and, oh, it, and it stops wow. at the appendages. And so it's the hardest to get that to warm back up. Um, I'm definitely getting, I've noticed I've been doing this for two years, um, pretty consistently now that it's, it's shifting like things, the, uh, elasticity of those blood vessels and capillaries are quicker to, cause that's the biggest thing with cold is it's a great cardiovascular workout mm -hmm. interval training. And that's basically the Wim Hof method and in the physiological nutshell is it's, um, everything for our internal health that we've forgotten about. You know, the, the circulatory system, our cardiovascular system, we've accepted diet and exercise as a way of health, but what about these other things? So I feel like this is like a third pillar of health is like wow. environmental stimulus. So Lofty Lake, see how my tangent line works? <laughs> lofty Lake. Oh, so lofty up there. And so the snowstorm's coming in. We're still pretty far away from the car. And my, my feet are still pretty bricks and I actually lose my dexterity of my hands. And after, when I shared this experience, I actually had a couple of people, weren't you afraid of hypothermia? Like, weren't you afraid of this and that? And I'm like, honestly, that never even came into my awareness, never even came into my mind. Wow. Because hypothermia, you can only get 20 to 30 minutes in the cold water. But of course, there's other factors with air temperature and wind and whatnot. But it didn't even come into my mind. And I was like, well, was that stupid of us? But I'm like, no, like my body's so capable in believing in that it's so capable. Wow. And the connection with nature and rawness. When I got out and we, we did, I did put more clothes on to walk out. And when that was coming in, I was just seeing the, the wind picking up the snow and it was like glazing across the lake and just the intensity. But yet there was so much stillness inside me and so much gratitude and and just connection like I was that lake I was the snowstorm I was everything there and I could just feel that like deep stillness and that's just what I kept breathing into was just like this this raw thing this raw wild nature that like I'm a part of that like I'm not separate and when you're connected to all of that there is no fear there is no like what ifs it's just like you're just in this flow and that staying in flow with the river. That's beautiful. That's yeah. so beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Can you stay for like another, I don't know, 12 hours and let's <laughs> just keep going. Like <laughs> the podcast isn't over. <laughs> I know I should let you talk. Okay, go ahead. No, not at all. Um, oh shit. 
it was funny. One of the things I was going to, because I'm a fan of Wim Hof and I've mm-hmm. followed him and whatnot. And I tell Steph a lot of stuff and she's like, shut up. We're not doing any of that. And I don't <laughs> do it. Now. Yeah, I don't do it. Yeah. I mean, I half-ass <laughs> pretend like I'm going to take a cold shower. Um, but one of the things I was going to ask you, because, oh my God, <sighs> there's so much that I want to like dump out of my mouth. So I'm going to slow down. One of the questions I had was, I think oftentimes, because I'm guilty of it, I'll see something online, I'll see Wim Hof, and then I'll dive in deep and listen to him on podcasts and go to his website and find his videos and do all of this stuff. And then I'm like, oh, I got this shit figured out. So what's the difference, would you say, to somebody that's like, why would I, because you, you host things now, you, mm-hmm. you, you teach people this process, you train people and everything, because you're a certified Wim Hof instructor, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's the benefit I, I see it very clearly having met you and just listening to you for the last hour, but what's the benefit rather than just thinking that I can watch his YouTube videos and learn his breathing techniques and his methods? What benefit is somebody going to get to actually coming and experiencing it firsthand from somebody that actually knows what the hell they're talking about? Yeah. Just like anything, there's so much information out there. You can find everything I teach online. Like you can find how to do the breathing. You can l- listen to all of the science. Um, but it's like one of those things where, at least from my experience, it didn't really sink in until I met Wim Hof himself, like the, everything about it. Cause there, I see so much in this little method that's so simple, but yet so complex when you dive in deeper. And for me, I, I love the interaction between another human far more than looking on the computer. I think there's stock in that too, though how I learn the most is like in the vibe of someone, you know, and, and, and then if I have any specific questions to go into that. So I was introduced to, to Wim Hof method and my best friend and my sister and brother-in-law will argue that one of them was the first to let me know about him. <laughs> let them figure that one out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, like this is cool. And and so I did, there's a 10 week course that you can buy online. So I got that and did that. I, I really didn't progress a lot with the breath retention or like, I didn't really like get into it like fully with the ice baths or I was doing like going into the nature a lot and going into the cold. Cause that's just what I've done. But I don't feel like I really got a deeper level of feeling and understanding through that platform with it. And so I was like, okay, I've, I've always wanted to go to Vancouver. So I signed up for his tour a couple of years ago in Vancouver, Wim Hofs and went, and it was so funny. Cause he's just like this storyteller and it was just like pretty much him just talking story. And back in the day he was like really outlandish and he's definitely <laughs> reeled back a little bit <laughs> and, uh, just a great, character though there was just some magnetism about him of like wow like and you know storytelling is one of our first technologies as human beings was telling story and I feel like there's a resurgence I actually host once a month storytelling gatherings where anyone can come up and and tell stories and share in that way and be heard and seen and felt and and I just feel like hey I'm getting vulnerable so let's all do it too (laughs) (laughs) So I went up there, got, did the breathing and went, okay. So it's one of those things and I can't remember the term, 
But when you do something alone, it has a certain vibe. But when you do something together in a group, it it like it builds the breath energy. works a good example of that breath is huge because yeah. you're all doing the same thing i do a static dance where it's free flow movement and it's all everyone doing the same thing so it builds and builds and it's like i can access deeper things through that instead of just on my own even the breathing retention like holding the breath like i can go for a lot longer with a group of people than alone so that really sat in and then after we did the breathing which was really powerful they had a couple of the ice baths out and people could just go in and out and that's where i learned more of how to warm up after because that's a piece that i didn't really see when i was like looking at it on my own was like okay well after the ice bath what do you do you know and and i just barely did a workshop last weekend with some phenomenal men and they actually spoke some of their feedback was like it was so much nicer to have you there during the ice bath. Like it, it, it made it so that I could do it in a way, you know, cause we can all fill up our bathtubs, put ice in it, but there's something about being coached through that experience and, and how we can offer information to each other. And obviously I've been talking people into cold water for a long time now because <laughs> <laughs> it feels so amazing. Um, so yeah, the the workshop space that I I carry is about, you know, anywhere from four to six hours. I've got a presentation. We get into the science. You know, I, I considered myself hippie, spiritual, whatever, like energetic for a long time, but I actually realized that I have a really deep scientific practical mind as well. So I feel like I have that nice balance, the marriage of, you know, the the spirituality and the science, and they can actually work really well together. And so I have that presentation and then to be guided to how to do the breath is I can be hands-on as well because I'm retraining people how to breathe and it's very much this deep diaphragmic breathing and most of us breathe up in our shoulders very shallow breathing you know and something that happens automatic and so we've kind of atrophied with how deeply we can breathe and even as I'm talking about breathing I'm seeing you too like Try to oh, like, yeah. do a little bit deeper. And, and that's actually something to keep me like grounded. And when I am speaking in front of a group of like staying connected to my breath. Oh, actually, for me, the ice bath, getting in cold water, that's not fearful for me. Yeah. What's fearful is speaking in front of a group. <laughs> that's my ice bath. And that's where I bring in the tools of breathe. Okay, I'm fine. You are all my allies, you know, <laughs> what am I fearing here? And it's a lot of the time we fear things that are just unknown. Mm -hmm. It's just because we don't know what's over there. And so we, we make more of a thing of it than it actually is. I think that's another piece to it as well. Mm -hmm. What was your fear about uh, being on the podcast? Um, yeah, saying like the right thing. <laughs> wrong thing <laughs> just kind of how people would perce perceive you right yeah yeah and i'm learning just to let that all go and to not give two fucks anymore <laughs> just to keep flowing and just realize that like hey i'm doing my best and by no no means i'm i am actually it's another roomy poem that i love was like meet me in the field beyond right or wrong doing or right or wrong thinking like let's go to that other place where it's not about being right or wrong anymore you know, it's about coming together and, and tolerance and understanding and compassion and kindness, even for ourselves and actually 
mostly for ourselves so Mm -hmm. we can for each other because that's been my process of like this individual everything and like world travel or all of this stuff seeking myself constantly asking like the question of who am I why am I here well it's it's um and I lost my train of thought with that just now so <laughs> I wasn't meant to say anything more <laughs> all I can see is the field like, that's really yeah, amazing we're, we're just hanging out in the field now <laughs> <laughs> it's a good space yeah I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad that Stephen hooked you two up. So I got to meet you too. Thank you to that. Yeah. (laughs) And yawning is a really good sign. Actually. Uh, Tired? No. no. That I need oxygen. You're you're getting more oxygen in your brain. Because I mean, we're talking about a lot of, we kind of, we went deep in there. Yes. And so getting more oxygen to the brain because our synapses are now going. So your brain takes 20% of your oxygen. One of the things that you talked about earlier and how you're immune to the inversion. So people, because we have tons of listeners uh, and people that live here in Utah, especially in the Salt Lake Valley, know exactly what the hell you're talking about because it's terrible inversion during the wintertime. And um, I loved how you were talking about it. You're like, well, I'm immune to it. And then I'm sitting there thinking about, um, because you talked about how you go out into the, uh, my brain. (laughs) So fucking busy (laughs) so you go out there and you're immune to it because you have the ability to do so and i'm sitting there thinking because you kept comparing yourself to kind of nature and you're a part of it and it's you and da 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 and all you know so on and so forth and i totally agree for everybody right not just for you and then i was sitting there thinking about how much like the planet because we think about how detrimental we are to the planet and we're polluting the planet with all of these different things. And my guess is the planet don't really give a fuck and is like oblivious to the fact that we are polluting it because it has the ability to supersede that, to continually just evolve and do what it does to be a planet and an organism and to sustain its own life and its own well-being. And we're a part of it, but it's like, I bet if you could ask, you know, if we were to interview Mother Nature and they would say, we would ask them, what have been the detriments of global warming and pollution? And, you know, since man has been on this planet, what has been the imprint that they've made with all of their industry and all of their destruction and all this stuff? And they'd be like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I have no idea what you're talking about. What's pollution? You know, I don't think they would really, they, I don't think her, him, it, I don't think they would really be aware of what we're doing to it. And I like the idea too, that we have way more control over our body than we really think. And I like the idea too, that parts of our body have become, uh, what it's the not atrophy. What, how did, what's the, it's atrophy, but what's the right pronunciation of it? Atrophied. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, I like that idea, right? How often are all sorts parts of our body, our mental, emotional well-being, everything like that, just is nothing's wrong with it. It's not broken. We just haven't used it. Right. And I'd like to go back to what you just uncovered because, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth with that through my time of like, okay, the impact on the planet. Obviously, there's a lot of movements. Obviously, in my life, I what makes me feel the best is efficiency. What makes me feel the best is self-organized because that's what I see in nature. You know, the, the nature does adapt. I mean, I think we'll be facing a lot of things in the future that we, we don't realize now, you know, because we are using as a whole more of the resources than the planet can 
produce, you know, that is going to be a thing. And, and at the same time, I have a theory with a lot of this Wim Hof stuff that I've been getting into of, I don't know if you're familiar with Rhonda Patrick. She does a podcast as well. She's like super science. I'm very lady. familiar with Rhonda Patrick. Yeah, broccoli heard you mention broccoli That's why we have broccoli in sprouts in our fridge. <laughs> Lovely. So she talks about that for the most part, people are um, higher temperature inside. Okay. And when we're stuck in sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight, we get little doses of inflammation there and we're a little bit hotter or a bit more inflamed. And then we go back to, I'm going to bring up the example 9-11. Okay. There was a deep like penetration for us and a lot of compassion, kindness and togetherness came out of it for a little bit. And there was actually a, done from the Heart Math Institute a scale of the ma ma uh, magnetic electric field of the earth. And our hearts have magnetic electric field to them. Mm -hmm. Like as we're sitting here talking, you're actually feeling my heart as well. And that's just happening naturally. So the scale that they saw, and this was from Gaia. I don't know if you know Gaia, the TV series place. I'm, but, I'm good friends with Gaia. Okay, me too. <laughs> Which Gaia are you, are you friends with? <laughs> So the TV little production things and I was watching Heart Math Institute because I'm really fascinated with that stuff. And they showed on the scale that the earth electromagnetic field actually jumped with our hearts jumping in that moment. So we have we're we're in this symbiotic relationship. Like I, I feel like we have a choice whether we want to, and I use the metaphors as a bee or a locust. We have the choice to be a bee and work together. We have a choice to be a locust and just consume, consume, consume. And it's it's our choice, you know? And and, and then we have to kind of go back to like, why do we believe we we are here? Why, why are we, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be on this planet? And what if it is that we're in this realm with this earth to... Like maybe it's not most meant to be sustainable here. Like maybe it's not meant to be utopia. Like there's some far out theories that like this is a whole, like there's planets and solar systems that have like all these grasshoppers on them. There's all this planets over here that have just cats. Like everything is like biodiversity right here to see how it works together. And we can look at the ecosystems in a lot of different places of how they start to adapt and work together. We can look at how we're, we've adapted to different places and things. And so there it's, yeah, it's one of those things that like, yeah, my gut doesn't like what's going on for the most part. But at the same time, there's a lot going on that we don't have the information to. And so I go back to my theory as far as the best thing that I can do right now is to lower my inflammation. Because as above, so below, I believe I reflect the earth. I am of the earth. So by me being of the earth and reflecting the earth, all along my travels, it's I've seen evidence that I get who, like what I perceive is what I get. And so that's the power that we do have of like how we perceive a situation can change the situation, if that makes sense. And that's getting into that whole like consciousness of molecules moving in front of your eyes. And actually there's been studies like when you look at something, the molecules actually move. 
of things. And so if we take back our control of our internal world, maybe that's how we take control of the external world or not take control of it, but see the external world in a certain certain way that's maybe more conducive and healthy that we can actually all get along. And I think that's actually the beauty of the craziness in America is like, uh, it's an opportunity to like learn how to get along through a lot of different cultures coming together, you know, and yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Macrocosm, microcosm, global warming. And that's something else with the breathing technique. I'll just bring that in as we're actually balancing out our oxygen CO2 levels in our body. Cause they'll, we have a, um, a lot of CO2 buildup inside our body and the world has CO2 buildup in a way. And, and it's interesting because this method is teaching us how to live in a more, uh, lack of oxygen state, if you will. So I'm curious if we're going to face that. Like I was just reading this book about the oceans, super drawn to the ocean, so funny. I'm going to let you all know that I actually have deep fear of the ocean and of waters that I can't see under me. <laughs> I have a deep fear there. Mm-hmm. And I actually want to free dive one day because of it. I want to learn how to free dive and, and go into the ocean and, and, and get into that place where I'm feeling, you know, CO2 build up in my body because we actually don't uh, have a sense to breathe in oxygen, we actually, when we need to take a breath, it's CO2 buildup and we need to exhale CO2. So I find that's kind of interesting because I never thought about it in that way. But this book that I was reading called Deep, it's talking about um, a lot of the things with the ocean and how how much is not explored there, whole worlds there. And, you know, the, uh, is it the coral reef, like... I mean, a lot of things are like, like dying down there. They're not as, as much. And that's actually a lot of the oxygen of this planet. So I'm, I'm just really moving forward with a sense of curiosity and like, you know, like on some deeper level, it is all love on some deeper level, like everything is here for like reasons that we, we can't, our brains can't know. So when it comes to like, you know, sustainability efforts and like, all of this, I would just suggest that we all just do what we feel inspired to do. And and to honestly, why I say I'm more immune to the inversion is because I'm not focused so much on it. When we focus on something, it builds it up and it builds it up and it builds it up and it makes it more of an issue than it actually is. Even though I'd love to not see, you know, Utah get all of the medical waste from other places that don't want to burn it and we burn it. You know, stuff like that, where it's like a bowl. It's like, why are we doing that? <laughs> and honestly, like when it comes to mimicking nature and and uh, being connected to it is like, I love to take the time to hibernate in the wintertime and actually go internal more so and and learn that, hey, like sometimes the deepest way to progress or the most efficient way to progress is do nothing is just do nothing. Have a whole day where you're just wearing your robe. Like, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, that's okay. There's, like, such this external pressure built up. And that's been my internal journey of, like, being very empathic. Like, how do I learn? listen to learn to myself over everything around me? 
how do how do I even know what myself feels like? And that's been a lot of my world travels is like finding out more about myself. As you're you're talking about the coral coral reefs and the health of the ocean and it's dying and all these different things and how do we stop that and stem that tide and everything like that, I'm like, how much of that is the simple transition and the grief that we have Mm -hmm. where um, the planet, once again, isn't looking at its ocean and being like, oh my God, we're dying. It's just transitioning. And my guess is it's Mm -hmm. not holding on to the grief of what was. It's only in the moment of what is. And it knows full well that when the coral reefs die and they're gone, something else will take its place. Right. Some I, other aspect of it will flow. I have so many goosebumps because I feel like that's that's a deeper level of what's going on is is to be okay with things dying. Yeah, to be like okay. we're sitting here fighting, you know, we have to recycle and we can't use plastic straws anymore. And I think that some of that is good and some of that is some, fine. But at the end of the day, like we have to let it go. Yeah. And some of the green movement. Yeah. If you feel inspired to do that, do it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, my understanding lately is that things aren't even getting recycled that I'm putting in the recycle bin, (laughs) you know, and that's a whole thing in and of itself. Conspiracy, whatever you call it. The same garbage truck picks up our recycle bin (laughs) as our garbage bin. And I'm like, you ain't telling me that they're taking that shit somewhere else. Right. There's something about that, that I actually want to research and be like, okay, like, well, and so there's actually another lady that did a podcast that the woman said, instead of recycle, refuse. And so what I've been doing is I just have a couple bags in my car, like have like bring Tupperware if I need to take it to go, like just refuse because and then I even put in plant a seed and just say, no, like even receipts, like I don't really take or just like, no, like, cause it's just going to end up in the landfill. Cause I feel like that's the best that we can do is like, if we were just to stop right now, like I just barely bought a, like one of my biggest purchases in life was an organic mattress, you know, avocado organic mattress, hundred percent beautiful fiber. And they make to order. What if our industry shift to like, Instead of like, we've been so, and I'm guilty of this too, of like, get it right now, you know, no patience and to wait for a mattress to be delivered in like three weeks and be so excited. But it was like Christmas morning. Yay. My mattress is here, you know, and like just to have, have to wait a little bit for things. Like we've kind of bred the society of like, I want it now, this like convenience, which has its beauty too. I'm not dissing that. But what are we sacrificing for that convenience? Yeah, I like the refuse instead of recycle. Yeah. That makes way more sense than recycling because I think mm-hmm. we're all just putting our shit to the same spot. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's not doing anything for the planet right. at all. Right. Well, Shelly, you sucked as a guest on the podcast. <laughs> you were terrible. Um, this was a horrible interview and a terrible episode because we had nothing to talk about. Um, is there anything else, babe? Anything else you want to ask? Anything else you want to dive into? We have plenty of time. I yeah. mean, it's not like we're going anywhere. There's so much. There is so much. But my brain just kind of went whoom, with all the amount of processing that I'm now doing and realization that just came from this. And you just want to go get in the snow. I kind of do. Come back in and be like, okay, wait, there's, there's a way to warm up. I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> we'll figure it Come out. to a workshop, <laughs> right? teach you all the tricks. I want to do that. Yeah. I, want, I can't believe that I 
want to go <laughs> get cold. Like that yeah. is n- no, yeah. nobody that even knows me would ever put me in that line. Like, no, there's no way in hell stuff will do that ever. And I, by the way, bring her a blanket. Right. <laughs> I, I, I love it too, because, uh, a lot of the Wim Hof method is drawing in that like stereotypical, you know, man, I think cause a lot of the science is research has been done mm-hmm. on men, but there's more coming out with women. But I feel like this is a huge thing for women. And actually women, um, for the most part, intu- intuitively know how to approach the guys. Because <laughs> 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 it is about surrender. It's very mm-hmm. feminine. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very fascinating what I've noticed in this, like, you know, kind of going back to like what I see in the right now of, and this is a another big topic and maybe this will open up a little bit more discussion if you want, but I really feel like a lot of the shifts and transitions and changes I've been seeing are in this lifetime, I feel like we're finally going to experience the balance between matriarchy and patriarchy. There's finally going to be this energetic balance of masculine, feminine. And I feel like I, like I'm get Terry, like I've been waiting for this for eons of time and that this is the pinnacle of that. And this is where all of the things that need to be corrupt or that are corrupt are failing. Cause anything that isn't universal law, anything that isn't natural law hmm. will fail. Cause it's, it's not the deeper truth of things. I'm going to blurt something because like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you've talked about like follow your instincts when you feel that, when you find that, like that soul piece where, you know, okay, this is next. This is where I'm in line with. Um, I've had that with when I went to Sedona, I've had that, um, recently when I'm finding like my next thing, my the massage school and this, and now I've been kind of like, oh God, I don't know what it is. And hoeing and humming over things that I kind of want to do. And the price isn't there and wanted to do this apprenticeship and no, I'm not going to do that and back and forth. But I'm going to tell you, like, I'm looking at you, Craig, because like be forewarned, I am excited. I feel this. I'm like, I want to cry because I'm so like, and I don't want, I do the cold. What the <laughs> fuck? No, that's not me. But like, hi, we're going to be friends. So you're going to know me. Yes. I can feel the pull. I'm like, can we, I just go with you now? Like, let's just go. <laughs> let's go do this. Yeah. I don't, I can't even explain how much is just pulling through me. Like I feel, um, uh, I feel like, uh, I don't know how to describe it inside me right now. Just so much motion, so much um, mm. like stirring, stir, stirring. stirring. It's beautiful. It's just so so. Yay! Yeah, yeah. I, I think you just solidified it with that last comment. Yeah, finding the balance. Like this is it in this lift lifetime. Like, yeah. Okay. yeah. I like to. I like to. I play. talked a little fast right there. I'm sorry. You're okay. excited. <laughs> Pumped. I like to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Uh, I like to do it a lot on this podcast because I like to spark. The, I like the I like the idea of the ongoing conversation that takes place when people listen to this, because somebody will listen to this conversation, and the conversation will continue in their head, or when they get home and they talk to somebody else, or when they tell somebody else about. I mean, you referenced a couple of different podcasts during this podcast, mm-hmm. so somebody else is going to be doing that, and they're going to be talking about this podcast that they listen to. So I like that. So that's why I like playing devil's advocate. <clears throat> and then I always judge I don't judge myself but I get nervous that people are going to walk away with this impression that Craig's an asshole cuz he's always talking about 
you know, I'm always playing like the, the devil's advocate, the opposite side of it. So they, I, I, I love the conversation surrounding balancing the energy and the space between masculine and feminine and the patriarchy and the matriarchy. And, um, I think it has been out of balance. However, has it really been out of balance? Because it can't be out of balance because the universe doesn't give a fuck and the universe is always in balance. It's our perception of it that is saying that something is out of balance, right? The universe, I always think of this like stupid meme where it's like, do you think the great white shark wakes up on Monday and stresses about, no, like it just is a shark. It's going to go about its business being a shark eating shit. It doesn't like wake up and think it's got a headache. Like the universe doesn't look at us and the existence of the energy that takes place on this planet and that we spin because we are just a part of the universe, right? So even though we feel like we're out of balance, we're actually balancing the huge ginormous spin of the universe that's taking place because we're playing our integral role of that process. So I don't think there really is a an imbalance in the space of masculine and feminine energy. I think it's simply our perception of it. So we get the opportunity to change our perception of it, which I think is what's happening and what's going on with everything that's present in the last 10, 15, 20 years and seems like it's speeding up and coming into, you know, more of a um, heightened state with all the other things that have been taking place, right? And I think it is speeding up, but I think it's also because we have the opportunity to see and digest it so much more with social media and with the internet and everything like that as well. Um, but I don't think there's anything that's out of bounds. I think it's just our simple perception of it. It's, it's like you were talking about, it's the way you look at something, right? If we just continually look at something and think that it's out of bounds, that's all we're ever going to see is that it's out of bounds. When in reality, in the big grand scheme of things, it's not. So women thinking that they're second class and thinking that there's been this dichotomy over the time and the patriarchy has ruled and set everything up this way, shape and form, and they've been keeping us stuff down. It's because you've been looking at it that way. And that's not your fault, obviously, because that's the way the world has looked at it. And that's the way the world has portrayed it. And that's the way that the world has told you to look at it, right? Long ago, somebody told you to put a coat on when you go outside or else you'll get cold. Long ago, somebody told you you're a woman, so you're less than, right? When really you're not. And men aren't better or superior. And men aren't controlling and manipulative. And now all I can hear is my mouth. (laughs) um but it's really our perception of it yeah so i think the perception is the thing that we get the opportunity to change Mm -hmm. and evolve right the evolution Mm -hmm. of our perception right rather than there's something broken that needs to be fixed and that's where the balance is coming in then is more of of the the energetic like maybe not universe balance or like influences of the universe coming in to bring it to balance by any means but like there has been this and when you go overseas like i mean western women like there we have so many more rights given to us than what i've seen around the world and there's still a lot of women like fighting for their lives in a way and still a lot of suppression and and in the in the work field in the business and it's it's a very much an old story Right. Very much an old patterning that has the opportunity to shift now. It does. Rights given to us. 
That's what you said. Me as a man, me as a person, society as a whole has zero ability to give you any right. Right. And that's a deeper layer because right. we're talking a layer exactly <laughs> and that's the like that's the big huge fucking thing in my mind mm-hmm. because in the big scale i just picture like the universe is this just the big pot just this big ginormous spinning mm-hmm. thing of energy that is always in balance it never spins too fast it never spins too slow it never stops spinning it's always spinning and rotating you know on all the multiple dimensions and levels in space time continuum blah 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 so on and so forth Um, So it's never out of bounds, but in our own little tiny microcosm, in our own little tiny heads and the way that we perceive that spin, you know, there's a little tiny eddy in the river that looks like it's spinning slower when the whole river is flowing super fucking fast, but that is doing that because this is doing this. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that perception and it's not to say, cause Like, this is my fear of speaking like this because I'm not misogynistic. I'm not um, sitting here thinking that women just needed to, like, stand up and claim their right as women and everything would have been fine, right? I, there's obviously a long lifetime of history from a very, very long time ago um, <clears throat> for the reasons why things are the way that they are today. However, at the end of the day, you as the individual has the opportunity to change your perception of how you see things. And it's like, well, that's, it's not going to make a change, but it's like everything that you've been talking about where do what you can to bring yourself into balance and into the space. And that's going to have the ramifications of the whole. And, and with that, like my experience is my experience. And I, I know that it's maybe for some, like I really feel like a big piece of this is your support community is who you're around or not around to even feel like you have an opportunity to change something inside. Mm-hmm. Cause that's another thing is like, I've liberated myself to a very deep degree. Like I've liberated myself and become the most sovereign I can be in a lot of different territories that I don't want to get into right now, but I'm very sovereign individual but that's been through a lot of years of actually um, more harsh disengaging. And, you know, I know a lot of people aren't going to put themselves in that situation. It's not their life path, you know, and that's something to go back to is like, say this, this is an option or an energy for me right now of like my inner masculine feminine is getting balanced and I'm going to project that onto the whole you know, I'm going to perceive the world as that because that's how I am and that's how I want to be. But what if that's not everyone's um, walk in this life? That's something else to another layer to this is like, what if like, I don't believe everyone in this life is going to reach a state of, we could say enlightenment or reach a state of soul wholeness or reach a state of a certain profound thing. I feel like some people like will have their sole purpose and like whatever lesson it is in their life to reach. So it's interesting this I'm dance we're doing. I'm getting fired up because <laughs> I can. It's funny listening to you. I can feel you getting. <clears throat> I can feel you getting uh, excited. Like I can feel you getting wanting to like 
oh, wait, 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 wait. Like you want to continually, and that's good. And I also hope that you're not, um, like I'm not confrontational or I'm not, you know, no, it's this conversation isn't intimidating at all. I actually, I feel like we need to be having more of these conversations, like the devil's advocate, the skepticism, all of that, it, it has its place so that we can identify and go in deeper. Even you said like, you know, not everybody in this, in this lifetime is going to become spiritually enlightened. Not everybody is going to get to that space where they make peace with their soul and their soul path and blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's the fucking point. Right. Right. And the, the split as well of, um, balancing your own internal masculine and feminine energy. Once again, we have perceived energy as Mm -hmm. two separate things Mm -hmm. and we have labeled it two separate things, light and dark, good and evil, love and hate, masculine, feminine, sun and moon, night and day. Fuck all of it. Right. It's all just all polarity. That's all polarity that we've, and this is such a beautiful topic because I've been really thinking about this a lot lately of like, okay, I'm only giving this option or this option. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what I've been taught. It's this or that. It's heaven or hell. It's right or wrong. It's like the polarity. And what if the opportunity, the energy of quote unquote Aquarian age, golden age, whatever, like supposedly we're moving into from a lot of different sources, this has been the talk of like something shifting, something's happening. And what if it is to be in the middle of those two polarities. So my dear friend was like, what is your definition of balance? And, and I actually didn't have a great definition in that moment, but his, what he shared with me was being able to fall either way. So how I interpret that and relate with that is non-dualism. Finding the yin and the yang being the line, being the dot in both sides, like non-dualistic nature. What does that feel like? What does that look like? Is it even possible to not be in a dualistic form on this planet? Like These are great things to explore of, because that's what I feel like is the sense that you're getting at is like it's, we've identified it as this or that, but non-dualism would encapsulate it to be it is that wholeness. Yeah, yeah. It is both sides. And my brain just went, oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, I think, is... Um, that, I think, is the truth, right? That, I think, is the... Not the answer to, like, the big question. I just think that is reality. That it is that space in the middle between the two polar opposites. And so how many of us are actually living in a true reality? Like when people say on their vacations, okay, back time, back to get back to reality, time Mm -hmm. to get back to reality. Well, is that reality what you're living? That's a good question to ask. Are you really living in true reality? If your reality is more of what we just depicted, yeah, nobody. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a letting go to what is. Yeah. And the other thing too is I don't think the, um, <clears throat> I think the reality is it's a, if we look at, <laughs> if we're going to have one thing on one side and one thing on the other, and there's a line in the middle, that line is so fine and so minute and so little that you can't stay there all the time. It's the moments when you get to um, recognize when you are there 
and you get the, the, the feeling, the emotion, the sensation, and the recognition of, oh, I'm in that middle spot, and I get to be there. And I'm going to hold that as long as I can, fully acknowledging that it's minute and it's momentary and it's going to pass. And then I'm going to flow into the opposite side and I'm going to come back. And sometimes I hop that line. I don't get to stay in that space. But there are times when we get to be in that middle ground and the acceptance of all of it, because otherwise we're constantly battling back and forth. Well, I'm on this side then we're out of bounds. Well, I need to go back to the other side and then I'm out of bounds. Well, I really just need to stay in the middle. Then we fight to fucking stay in the middle. And all of life is impermanent. Yeah. It's a river. Every, the only thing that's constant is change. And that's why we have these different methods or things to get glimpses of that internal nature, to get glimpses of those moments. It's like the event horizon. Like, did you ever see interstellar? Mm -mm. It's super fucking good movie. My life is a movie, so I don't watch too many of them. (laughs) This one is really, really good. Interstellar. Yeah, look it up. uh, Directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Matthew McConaughey. It's really, really good. There's a bunch of other really good people in it. Anyways, there's a point where, because it's like time, space, continuum, and going into a black hole, and like they drop into the, like the event horizon, like that point where, like what's on the other side of it, we don't fucking know. Like that's the spot where we have to find the middle ground where... I don't know. I'm getting lost now on super deep stuff. And I keep picturing <laughs> Interstellar. <laughs> and, uh, well, we're all like going to have to go watch it. <laughs> do you remember that part where they're in the, sh- in the spaceship and they're like, he's fighting and it's struggling and then everything's falling apart. And then suddenly he goes, is yeah. it when he goes to, where they find that he's like sending the messages with a bookshelf? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. When he Spoiler drops alert. into that other, forget I said that when you go to watch it, just like, <laughs> let that go, let it go, let it flow on out. <laughs> But I think that's the goal. At least that's the goal for me, right? And right. that's me. That's my life. That's my experience. Everybody's goal gets to be something different. So your goal, if I heard you right, is to go into nothingness, to go into unknown, to go into the depths of the dark and get that spark. No. <laughs> no, you're way off. <laughs> my goal would be to have a good enough or not a good enough, but my goal is to practice so that when I am in the middle, I can enjoy it and I can be present. Gotcha. And not maybe not cleave on or hold on to it, but allow resistance one way or the other, Right. no connection, no desire, no frustration, anger, love, hate, just presence and awareness of being Mm. in that moment of at the middle ground, fully understanding. Cause I think that our world, in our culture, in our society, in our bodies, even right, mm-hmm. life and death, birth, mm-hmm. you know, everything that takes place is set up in that polarity, in that dichotomy, mm-hmm. where there is black and white, mm-hmm. and so I think that is a universal law, and I think that that is something that is innate in the universe. However, I think the the important part that the universe is trying to get us to learn is that middle space, that space where we get to really be and relax and present right and you'll never know that you can actually feel that in an ice bath (laughs) (laughs) i have no doubt you can wim hof says feeling is understanding yeah there's definitely an essence in getting into something so intense to be that little that experience that actually can be so profound 
And well, think about like in meditation, like the goal of meditation is to get to the spot that I'm kind of talking about Mm -hmm. where you disconnect from your body. Right. And we want to disconnect from our body and our mind and connect to our spirit and to connect to the universe and connect to our soul. But I feel like it's connecting to all of it. It is. So, so not necessarily disconnection of mind or body, but actually deeper connecting to it all. But it's, we're playing with words here. Exactly. You know, what you're going to speak is going to be how you relate to it with, with your body. How I different, perceive it and all those kind of different right. things. Right. And, and that is something interesting with um, the Wim Hof Method. So they did an MRI last year. They did a study on him at 2018 in Michigan. And they showed different parts of his brain that got lit up during um, cold exposure in a, in a somewhat of a, like a, like a tubed suit where it would do cold water and then uh, room temperature water and see what happened with his brain. And the first time they did it, he, you know, he can't move in an MRI. So he like didn't do the mental focus. He didn't do the breathing or anything. He just went in the MRI and he got influenced with the cold. His body, you know, did its thing of cold and hot, cold and hot. Same with the control. Well, then he primed his body with the breathing technique and his mindset when he was actually in the MRI, he could only think he could only be in a mindset. He didn't have room to breathe in that deep breathing that we do with the Wim Hof method. And he said that he accessed how he felt in a wide out on Mount Everest. So he accessed this like stillness in the chaos. And he was raising his skin temperature at will. Like he was staying consistent with the up and down um, of the, the, Um, water temperature change and the areas that his brain that was getting highlighted was the insula which is self-reflection which was what what yogis meditators are going for is that self-awareness and then the periaqueductal gray which is pag and the brain stem and with the dance of those two and he was getting release of endogenous opioids and cannabinoids because we all have everything inside. It's just about finding the equation to unlock them. So he's getting high on his own supply and thus using 100% of his brain. We've been told that we only use 10% of our brain, but that's when we're stuck up here in frontal cortex, that's the 10%. So accessing these different states of being is actually still in the brain. It's still in the mind. Like it's demystifying that's outside of ourselves to feel connected, to feel that enlightened peace. And, and that, that stillness, if, I mean, if that's kind of a word that we can identify with those things as well. We should have had some caveat before we started recording that we did not smoke anything (laughs) and we are not high in any way, shape or form because somebody's tripping balls right now. listening to this conversation like, oh my fuck, soak free. (laughs) No, we're all just naturally getting high on our own supplies. And, And through beautiful, deep conversations, we actually release chemicals in our body. release oxytocin, dopamine, you know, the love hormone, like we're releasing things. And like to realize that we're a lot more biochemistry, like has been so healing for me, you know, instead of just identifying with an emotional state of being or a mental state of realizing, oh, it could just be a chemical that needs to be shifted a little bit. And And that's what I love about this is it's a natural method for that shift. You know, I feel like we've definitely relied too much on this 
big pharma and outside thing to make us feel better. We need to be the ones to make us feel better and finding the natural means to do so. Hmm. Anything else, babe? So much. So much. So much. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is, uh, is spinning. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any questions for us? Mm, how long have you guys known each other? This time around? <laughs> nice. Because it's, it's long. But this time around, we've known each other since 2012. Right, seven? Seven years. Yeah. And we've been married for, it'll be four years this year. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. But we've been around mm. for quite some time. <laughs> Was it? Was it recognition of each other's souls at first sight? Or? Oh, it was all sorts of clusterfucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't look good on paper. No, but the feelings were all there. It was. <laughs> there was a big clusterfuck, but we're, we were weeding our way through it. <laughs> yeah. No, there's definite uh, deep-rooted connection from <clears throat> present moment, because that's the other thing. I don't believe in past present or future it's just right now like so stephanie and i have lived copious amounts of uh past lives together we but we are living yeah because it's yeah. not past right well and everything in the in the present i mean well we can go down that rabbit hole but it sounds like we're <laughs> that's another hour <laughs> well that's beautiful because that's i something big for me is is love and just like knowing what love is to me and like I I do feel like I have that level of like soul partner and like I feel like I've skipped a couple of lifetimes with this partner in my life and I know that I just know there's no worries like it's like what will be will be sort of thing and whatever I need I can trust will come to me and I'm actually working more as a magnet instead of a go out and getter which is an interesting other dance to play in this life but it's yeah. so beautiful to hear people like getting together in that presence, you know, and knowing and recognizing that your souls have had other lives. Like I totally have felt a lot of that in my life. Like, okay, there's no way that I would have such a deep feeling with this place in Guatemala, these tombs I was at, these different place here. Like there's just some kind of recognition that I can't explain. Mm -hmm. And I feel that in relationships of like, there's just something deeper going on than we realize. And that's, the beauty of life is to keep exploring that. Yeah, we could go lost. Okay, anyways. So, <laughs> yeah. Shelly, what's the greatest way for people to find you, uh, get a hold of you, reach you, anything like that? Um, the best way, two ways, whether it's just email, um, Shelly Mayer, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-M-E-H-R at gmail.com, or I do have a website. It's mayermassage.co, so not com, just M-E-H-R, massage. Dot co and I'm also on Facebook, social media. My Instagram is Shellebrate. <laughs> I love it. Eight eleven. Shellebrate eight eleven. Um, I post a lot of my Wim Hof, upcoming Wim Hof workshops on the Facebook though. So that's Wim Hof Method Utah. And those are posted there. I do them about I'd like to start doing them twice a month. I also offer one on one. Because some people really just want that, I just want to work with you. And that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. I celebrate that as well. I celebrate that as well. <laughs> Do you know when your next one's going to be? Um, 
I just barely did one. So I'm, I'm a flower and I'm, I'll probably do one. So I'm going on a little vacation and then I'll be back in February. So it'll probably be the second week of February. And I do usually do it on the weekend so it can be accessible, but those will be posted. Cool. I'm following online. you now on Instagram. I'm trying to find all the ways. Don't get panicked when you like see me popping up everywhere. I'm a little excited. <laughs> so it's going to seem a little stalkerish just for a little while. Oh, but you can. It's okay. You, you can stalk me, Stephanie. That's fine. <laughs> awesome. I don't mind. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Shelly. Yeah. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you. <laughs> How can we accept love's pleasure without love's pain? The body has its own intelligence. We have to realize that everything's going to die at some point, and it's not necessarily a negative thing. Stress actually can be a good thing. You can face the ice bath how you face life.